Claire Sands, My Why Audio Blog. One year in, how I created a podcast. A year ago, on the 25th of September 2021, the trailer for the Silent Why podcast went live, and I was officially a podcaster. Though it did take me a while to feel confident about putting that on my social media bios. Stupid imposter syndrome. Then, a year ago, on the 5th of October 2021, the episode What's Your Herman and the first two Loss interviews went live. Loss of a marriage with Sue Brain, talking about her divorce and her very intentional long period of grieving on a narrow boat with her cat. And loss of parents to dementia with Katie Elliott about both of her parents being diagnosed with vascular dementia combined with Alzheimer's, where she shared about the importance of being kind to ourselves and connecting with her parents through their conditions before they died. And I do want to say a big thank you to any of our guests that were interviewed without hearing any episodes or knowing exactly what this podcast was going to sound like. Every podcast needs those precious few guests that believe in you and help you get the ball rolling. So, a year in, I thought I'd take a moment to explain a bit more about what it's like to produce and edit a podcast, and why we called it The Silent Why, and why we've recently added Because Shh Happens onto our podcast artwork. A question I've been asked a lot over the last year is, How do you actually make a podcast and get it onto, like, Apple or something? Well, strap in, people, because I'm going to take you on the ride of your life. Well, it's more of a short, steady teacup ride through the world of podcast publishing. So let's say you want to start a podcast. Like many people who say they have a book in them, you might feel you have a podcast in you, and it's yearning to get out. And many people probably do have these things inside them. But what they probably don't have is the many spare hours a week it takes to record, produce, edit, publish and promote one. And that's the first thing you need. Then you might think the next step involves a microphone, but you'd be wrong. It's a pen and paper and a whole lot of staring out the window. Because you can't start a podcast without an idea and a subject. And you can't just have a subject, you have to niche it down. Or niche, as they say in the US. You're basically trying to come up with a gap in the market. A little corner that's all yours. Something people will want to listen to. You know, like grief, loss, death and all those feel-good kind of topics. So rather than just talking about grief, as other podcasts were, I decided to look at loss, and not just bereavements. To prove there were many different types. Like we'd experienced with childlessness. Then, when you've got all that sorted, you have to decide if you're going to talk on your own about these things, or with a co-host, or with other people, or with guests, or with interviews, panels, roundtables, etc. What's the format going to be? Then you think about your tech setup. Do you have a computer to record it on? Do you have a program on the computer that records audio? Or are you going to use your phone? Do you want microphones? What sort? How many? Headphones? What sort? How many? An interface? What on earth is that? Then you're almost ready to record, but you need to have a finalised name for your podcast. And I'll come back to that later. And you also realise you need to think about whether you're going to use a script or just wing it. Having seen how much effort a script takes, you're most likely going to decide you can wing it. How hard can it be, right? It's just chatting. Turns out, pretty hard. And I guarantee you that as you listen back to your incoherent babbling and realise your voice is officially the worst thing you've ever heard, you'll start to wonder, and not for the last time, if this whole thing was a giant mistake. Once you've pushed through all those self-doubts and you actually have a recording that you're not completely humiliated by, then you need to think about whether you want to edit it. Do you want to have an intro and an outro? Do you want music? Yes, but why is it so expensive or hard to find? Maybe not. Do you want to remove your mistakes and ums and errs? Why has the microphone picked up how loud my swallowing is? Why does my mouth make a click noise when I open it? What is wrong with my laugh? 
Why didn't I notice that dog barking in the background or the child screaming when I was recording? How much soundproofing do I actually need to make this sound good? And what on earth is acoustic sound treatment? Once this is all sorted and you've climbed the huge mountain that is audio editing and noise reduction and amplifying and compressing and limiting and fade in and fade out and hiding edit points, you have to find out how to publish it to the world. So, more hours of research and listening to podcasts on podcasting, and you realise you need a podcast host. Not the person hosting the show, but a company that hosts all your episodes and distribute them to the podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, GoodPods, etc. Podcast hosts are a bit like the people that host websites. Oh my word, do I need a website? Yes, you do. Although most hosts offer you a basic web page you can use to get started. More research. Once you've looked at all the pros and cons on podcast hosts and costs and what they offer, you pick one and you sign up. We chose a very friendly host that's based in the US and came well recommended with some good values and morals behind it. Buzzsprout. Then you pay them monthly depending on how many hours of podcast you're going to upload per month. This can be free, but your episodes are only hosted for 90 days, or up to $24, around £22 a month, for 12 hours of episodes per month. Then, as you start to fill in all the necessary details, you realise you also need some funky artwork for your podcast, in very specific sizes and formats. So you go away and you work on that for a bit, again taking in all the advice on what this should be, say and look like. Once that's sorted, you come back and fill out all the necessary details, and eventually you're up and running. Then your host provides you with what they call an RSS feed, which is essentially a piece of technology that powers every podcast. It contains all the information about your show and the episodes and it passes it to the podcast directories every time a new episode is published. To see an RSS feed in the flesh, it's basically just a link that you'd get to any other website with the host name in it and some numbers. Then you need to submit this RSS feed to all the directories you want your podcast to be found in. And the host helps you do this to make it a lot quicker. Buzzsprout also provides us with a nifty link so that you can see all the apps the Silent Y can be found on, as well as our social media, our YouTube channel link and our website. And that's at thesilentwhy.buzzsprout.com slash share. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn and Alexa, Podcast Addict, Castro, CastBox, Podchaser, PocketCast, Deezer, Listen Notes, Player FM, Podcast Index, Podfriend and Good Pods. So if you're not keen on how you listen to podcasts right now and want a different user experience, check out these apps all designed for podcast listening. And the link is in this blog or our social media bio. And if you need any other help listening to podcasts or you've got a relative that wants to start listening but you just don't know where to begin when helping them or explaining it, then send them over to thesilentwhy.com slash listen to a podcast where I've explained it all and provided links to help Apple and Mac and Android and PC users. Once you've done all this, you excitedly upload your podcast episode and then find another hundred things that you need to give some time and thought to. How often am I going to release episodes? What day do I release them on? What time? What are my episode titles going to be? Are they supposed to have numbers in them? What will I write on the show notes? Does each episode need a separate web page link? What are my keywords? Do I need transcripts? When you've recovered from that meltdown, you start more research about all these things, decide on a plan, and spend the next 10 months changing it or regretting it. I decided to do a transcript for every episode to make it more accessible when it came to people wanting to read the content instead of listen, or to translate it into other languages. However, this adds anything up to one to two hours to my workload each week, because as good as the AI, artificial intelligence, is around transcribing episodes for me, they're never safe enough to put out without there being a mistake that might be insulting, rude, funny or inappropriate in there. And when you're dealing with people's vulnerable stories about loss, that just feels risky. 
So I also pay monthly for the transcription and then I go through it before I submit that with my episode to Buzzsprout. Then you soon work out that it's all very well hitting publish and having a podcast episode out in the world, but it's not much good if no one can find it. So you enter the world of social media and all the algorithms that will faithfully fight against you every step of the way. There we have it. That's a quick overview of the podcast producing life that I have. There are different ways to do it, of course, but I'm mainly a one-man band with the occasional help from my senior editor and co-host. I'm not really the large-scale podcast machine that some are with teams of up to 12 people working on them to get them produced each week. One of the things I wanted to mention today on the week of our one-year anniversary is the name of our podcast. Now, all the great advice out there will tell you to name your podcast something that says what it does on the tin. So we should have gone down the route of let's talk about losses or the search of 101 losses or a marzipan lover's search for hope in loss. Of course, we ended up ignoring all that advice completely and just named it what we wanted to call it, which you can probably get away with if you have a large celebrity as the host or a network pushing it hard for you. But we just wanted something we liked the sound of and would enjoy seeing on all our episodes, something with a bit of depth to it. I don't advise doing this to other people, but it was the option we went with. So why the silent why? Well, it was for a few reasons. In the initial pain of grief and loss, there can be a lot of why questions. Why now? Why me? Why them? Why so young? Why so soon? Why couldn't I be there? Why am I alone? Why don't they help me? Why won't they listen? But so often, a lot of these questions are left unsaid or silent because people don't know how to talk to others about them. Because it's just too hard or because there's no one they feel they can talk to. Also, there are often no answers to these types of questions, so the silent part of this is twofold. However, on the other side of the coin, there's a sort of assumption that when someone's going through something hard, they're often portrayed as bitter and shaking their fists at the sky, shouting, WHY? It seems like a common question people expect grievers to be asking when they've been through loss. But our suspicions were that this question didn't factor into grief quite as much as people expect. So we decided to ask all of our guests if this was a question they'd wrestled with. And we have. And so far, almost all of them have either said no, or if they did struggle with it, it was only briefly, and they soon recognised there was no merit in asking this question, because there were no answers. So there's another aspect to the silent. Not only is it not asked for long, but it's also frequently met with silence instead of answers. The silent why. Plus, Chris and I have spent a large chunk of our lives, him more than me of course, saying this when people ask us what our surname is. It's Sans. S-A-N-D-Y-S, pronounced sans, with a silent Y. That's just a little Easter egg we wanted to throw in there for the few that like those kind of things. Early on in the podcast planning, I was mucking around with the words and playing on the silent aspect of the name, and shh, and I realised it fits very nicely into the shit happens expression. An expression that basically says, bad stuff is coming in life, whatever you do, there's no way around it. Now, I thought this was very clever of me, but as they say, there's nothing new under the sun, and a quick Google search showed me that there were a few satty libraries that had also had the same idea at some point. But I kept it close to something that we'd use, and now we have. I've added Because Shh Happens to all our podcast artwork, to nod a bit more towards what we're about. And again, it works on a few levels, because yes, shh does happen. And the whole premise of our podcast is looking at the bad things that life throws at us, and how we get or got through them. In fact, the podcast only exists because shh happens. But also, shh happens because people go silent on issues like this. Society goes silent on subjects like this. People don't know what to say to others. They ignore them after they've been through something awful. There is too much shh in the world of grief and loss. 
So we need initiatives to break that silence and bring the subjects into the light and through our speakers. Enter the silent Y. Plus, as a rule, I don't really swear, so replacing the initial swear word with shh is just another element that makes it uniquely mine. It's not that I'm against swearing per se, it's just that I grew up not doing it and I like to leave some words and language for those really, really awful moments so I have something to reach for or shock with, if needed. Unfortunately, I've reached the stage now where if I swore around friends, they'd laugh. Not quite the reaction I'd be aiming for. As a side note, you might have noticed that we don't cut swear words out of our podcast, but we do bleep them. There's a good reason for this. Firstly, we won't ever ask people to watch what they say, because if ever there was a time to describe things in fruity language, grief is definitely up there, and we want people to be themselves. So we always leave it in when we edit, but we do bleep out swear words, and here's why. If there is swearing in a podcast, I have to mark the episode as explicit, which puts a red E on the episode to warn people so they might choose not to listen when kids are around or in the car, etc. And explicit content isn't just swearing, it might be certain topics or subjects too. The downside of marking the episode as explicit is that certain countries don't permit explicit content to be played, meaning our episodes wouldn't be available to listeners in those countries. And it was very important to us that our content was available to anyone and everyone wherever they live. So here we are, one year in, and as I've said before, I'll continue to provide the podcast for as long as I can. I'm hoping forever, really. But as you might have guessed, this takes a lot of hours for no real pay, except the very kind donations I get through. Buymeacoffee.com slash the silent why. As it grows into a resource, I'm hoping it can be used for more opportunities that will arise, for me to create material, books and other avenues of revenue that will help support it. Sometimes I feel like I must be crazy taking on something like this at such an uncertain time financially in the world. But for the first time in my life, I am really enjoying getting up to do my job. I love where it takes me, what it teaches me and who I get to interact with. After all, some things are more important than money. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly sure that's right. So if you'd like to help my journey, there are loads of things you can do that bring me a lot of joy. You can share a podcast episode with a friend that might need it. You can share one of our posts on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn or YouTube and like us, subscribe, share or comment. Or you could review us on a podcast app like Apple, Spotify or Good Pods to help others find us and give us a try. Not all podcast apps have this capability, but anyone can go onto these apps and review and rate us, even if you don't listen to us there. Or, if you really can't be doing with any of that nonsense, you can just throw money at me through buymeacoffee.com slash thesilentye. These things all help me more than you can know, because other areas to try and get noticed like podcast awards cost a lot of money to enter immediately giving the bigger budget podcasts more of a shot at winning them. It's a bit like that in the book world too, and a lot of us indie podcasters and writers are rightly very bitter about the situation. So thank you for listening and being part of this journey. I still can't believe there are people that love to spend time with me like this. It warms my old heart. And if you're in a place today where you're just struggling and you don't feel like you have a lot to offer the world right now, I know that feeling so well. But I remind myself that small acts are just as big a contribution to the world as giant ones. Just liking a post on Instagram that made me smile through my tears, or sharing a quote that connected with me at the exact moment I needed it, or hitting follow on someone who's trying to do some good work, or donating to their cause or sharing their work with others, can take me less than a second, but I know that it might make someone else's day. And I've been on both sides of that, and I know for a fact that it is always a few seconds well spent. Jana Stanfield said this, I cannot do all the good that the world needs but the world needs all the good that I can do.